0: Good morning, morning. and Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Lynn White, and I serve as an elder in the congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Holy One, to you forever be all praise and thanksgiving. Lord of life, May we be glad when it is said to us, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let it be our delight as well as our responsibility to worship you in the fellowship of your church. Prepare us in mind and spirit to honor you. Tune our hearts to sing and speak your praise. May we receive with gratitude all that you have for us and offer willingly all that you ask of us. This morning, accept our worship, silent, spoken, and enacted, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive the Holy Spirit, our ears listen to your word, and our voices be raised in the praise of the glory of God.
1: Would you please stand and join in our call to worship? Listen to the words of the psalmist from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Let us worship God. (music)
2: God is ever more ready to hear than we are to pray, and God is always ready to forgive us if we ask for our sins to be forgiven. God's love and mercy are from everlasting to everlasting. Let us rely upon that love and mercy and say our confessional prayer together. We come to you in silence, O Lord, in the midst of this silence we are reminded with great affection how much your love has been poured out for us in the life and death of Christ Jesus. For you love us so much to suffer and die for us. By your mercy, strengthen us when we go through trials and temptations. Help us to resist our own negligence and cowardice. Defend us from the treachery of our own unfaithful hearts. Forgive our sins, gracious God. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God, have heard our prayers. And God, in his love and mercy, have forgiven us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. As God's forgiven children, let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we greet one another in Christ's name.
1: Good morning. good morning. Welcome to worship this morning at Church of the Palms. It is good to see you here today. If you're seated on the aisle side of the pew, if you would take that red friendship pad and sign your name to it, let us know that you were in worship with us this morning. And uh, take note of the names of the folks who are seated nearby you so that you might uh, greet one another by name following the service. I encourage you to read through the announcements that are found in the latter part of the bulletin as I highlight just a a few announcements today. I know that uh, for those of us who heard the tragic news, our hearts have been heavy since the shootings at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina on this past Wednesday. And so as a way of showing our care and support uh, for this congregation. Uh, At the conclusion of the service, after we sing the benediction response, while we're all standing, uh, the bells will chime. It will be 10 o'clock and there is a sort of a a groundswell of movement among churches across the country at 10 o'clock this morning to uh, sound the bells and to remember in silent prayer these brothers and sisters who have experienced uh, such tragedy. So we will uh, pray silently for that congregation, those so affected by this terrible shooting, and uh, following that, SYV will uh, lead into the postlude. So would encourage you to, to stay for that uh, portion just at the end of the service and then to, to go and greet our new members out in the courtyard. Also in the courtyard uh, after the service today, you will have an opportunity to support one of our mission partners, uh, Good Samaritan Mission up in Waimama, their annual Father's Day uh, diaper drive and all kinds of uh, uh, baby wipes and baby lotions, all those sorts of things that you might want to uh, contribute. We'll be receiving those uh, out under the tree today. Also with uh, our Pastor Steve McConnell is on sabbatical. We welcome back Alan Walworth. Alan, great to have you with us again. And if you were here uh, just before Pastor Steve left, you may remember that that he made a few requests of us. One, he, he requested us to uh, be present and supportive of of the great guest preachers that we will be experiencing over the summer. So we've already had the opportunity to hear uh, Alan once and again this morning and then Morgan Roberts last week and Bruce Porter will be coming back next week. And so uh, it's been wonderful to have these uh, voices come to share God's word with us. And also Steve requested that we support our ministries and missions, and we have been doing that. We got to hear from the, the children from VBS last week and recognize all of the amazing student and adult leadership that made that Everest VBS happen. Today we'll have the opportunity to commission our the first of our student mission trips, our middle school mission team that's going off to DeLand. Uh, In this coming week, as well as commissioning the uh, SYV uh, choir that will be going off on their Denver tour, and uh, we had a a great meeting yesterday with our Day of Hope leadership team planning for that wonderful event to help uh, equip students in need in our community to begin school on an equal footing with their peers, so there's lots of amazing ministry going on. And the other thing that Pastor Steve asked, and the thing that I wanted to highlight this morning was to, for all of us to to continue to support our church family financially. And so I want to challenge you to do that so that all of these ministries and the missions can continue to go forward. And here's what I really dream is that when Pastor Steve returns from his sabbatical in September, that uh, we found ourselves a bit behind financially as he was leaving, I would love to see us have made up that ground so that when he returns, we can say, no problem, Steve, we're all on an even keel. <laughs> so if you would help me to, to, to do that, it would just be a, a blessing to our entire church family. Well, with those announcements made, it's now my pleasure to invite up Our middle school mission team, their high school leaders, if you'd come stand here in the chancel, and SYV singers, if you would stand where, you wanna just stand where you are, that's probably a better way to do it. So I think you're gonna have to make some more room there, Connor. Yeah. Hi, Sophie. So it is exciting. You know, our middle schoolers, they're going to be going off to the wilds of DeLand, Florida. (laughs) They'll actually be staying on the campus of Stetson University. The previous congregation I served for 12 years was across the street from where you will be. And so I am excited that you'll be serving in, in DeLand. And, you know, Jesus called those who follow him to uh, be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so it is a beautiful thing that these students, these adult leaders and these student leaders have the opportunity to live that out even early on in your journey with Christ. And so as you prepare for this week in uh, service, in relating to one another, in worshiping in the evenings, know that you go with with our blessings and with our prayers, knowing that what you say and what you do, you have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm going to move over here and speak to SYV now and to you who are heading off to Denver on a choir tour, you have a similar kind of opportunity by the the beauty of the music you bring, by the joy of the way you carry yourselves when you are just moving from place to place in that Rocky Mountain area and, and appreciating God's beauty in that part of the country. You have the opportunity to be the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus. And so we uh, commission you and bless you. Let us pray. Gracious God, we pray the presence of your Holy Spirit on this middle school mission team as they journey together to the land to serve you there. Help them to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears that their hands and feet may be about your work. Give those who lead them strength and energy and compassion and love. Help us who remain here at home to support them with our prayers. And for the SYV Choir, hold this group in the palm of your hand as they travel across our nation and uh, experience the opportunity to serve you and bless others in song. May what they sing and say be your words. May what they do be your work. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, and the middle school team is heading off to the garden where they will be prayed for in just a few minutes. And as the uh, as they make their way out or around, Uh, I would like to invite the new members to come and stand with me here at the front. We have the opportunity to uh, recognize our newest members this morning. Always an exciting time in the life of the church. Welcome to you. I'll stand over here so I'm not in the way. So we believe that um, God is building a church family here and that together because of the way the Holy Spirit works in distributing gifts and talents and experiences and interest that today with these new members we are more the family of faith God is calling us to be because of your presence in our midst. And so as we recognize you as new members, I would ask you these questions. Who is your Lord and Savior? Do you trust him? Do you intend to be his faithful disciple as a part of this church family? To you, the people who are Church of the Palms, having heard their affirmative responses to these questions, do you promise to do everything in your power to support these new members as we journey together with our Lord Jesus. If so, please say, we do. And as I mentioned earlier, at the conclusion of the service, I would like to invite you to uh, extend a hand of Christian fellowship, greet them warmly, hard not to greet them warmly when you're outside, but uh, to greet them uh, warmly just outside the organ door uh, at the conclusion of the postlude. And so, On behalf of the whole church family, Gina Melberth, Robert Melberth, we greet you. And Helen Gakbudak. Did we get it? Oh, wonderful. Greta Mahaffey, welcome. Got you on the other side here, Jennifer. Welcome to you, Jennifer Roberts. And back to Richard Mahaffey. Greta and Richard go together and Jennifer goes with them. (laughs) All right, well, welcome to you all. It is a joy to have you as part of Church of the Palms officially. So I'd like to uh, pray for us, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the way that you are growing this congregation for the interests and talents and gifts that these new members bring. We pray your blessing upon them and their families, and we pray that uh, we would serve you more faithfully because of their presence in our midst. And so now, um, guide us as you lead us forward in our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. We lift up all these prayers in Jesus' name, who taught his followers to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, And as the new members take their seats, I would invite the ushers to come forward as we continue our worship by presenting to God our morning tithes and offerings.
0: Let us pray. Lord, you have provided us with so much, and what we give, we know, is already yours. Blessings, blessings that have been pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We pray that you'll continue to give us a cheerful heart and the wonderful motivation to give in the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. You may be seated. And now we're gonna welcome Laurie, and all the children.
3: Good morning. Hi. I'm like rubbing on something. Good morning. How are you? Thank you. Hello, hello. Hi, Sydney. Hey, Moxie. Hi, Kate. So I brought my favorite pillow with me today because every Sunday I take a nap. Nobody has to make me take a nap, but I take a nap. Do any of you guys still take a nap? Does anybody? Yeah, Maddie, not sweet. This is so great. Have any of you ever had to take a nap when you didn't want to? Yeah. So why would someone make you take a nap? Why would like a mom or a dad or a teacher make you take a nap if you didn't want to? Sam, what do you think? Because you don't have any sleep. Because you didn't have enough sleep? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah? Why else? Because you're grouchy. Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like they maybe know better than we know that if we don't get enough sleep, we might get a little grumpy or a little snarky. Yeah, exactly. So up in kids worship, we are doing a series on Psalm 23. And the first week we did, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So we learned that we could be confident that God was gonna take care of us. Remember we did that story where the shepherd had a hundred sheep and one of them got lost. Does anyone remember what the shepherd did? When one of those sheep got lost, he looked for the one sheep. Yeah, he went and found it, that he took care of it. So today, we're on to verse 2, and it goes like this. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. Why would the Lord make us lie down and drink water? What do you think? Why do you think he would make us lie down? What do you think, Maddie? Because and um, he gets some water from the ocean? Yeah, like he, he knows that we need water to live. Absolutely. We can only survive a couple of days without water. Why do you think he makes us lie down? Grace. To be able to take a nap. Yeah, because maybe he knows that we can't be our best self if we don't rest. So i got to tell you guys about a TV show that was on about 100 years ago called Father Knows Best. So in this show you know, it's like what it sounds. The dad knows best. So on Father's Day, I go, this is a great day to remember and honor our dads who really know quite quite a bit and who want the best for us, right? But remember, our father in heaven really does know best. So think about this when he makes us lie down in green pastures and leads us beside still water. Maybe we don't have to take a nap every day, but maybe we should read the Bible a little bit every day and pray to God a little bit every day and remember how much he loves us, and then we can wonder about how we can love others. So listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters because our Father knows best. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the dads who loved us and care for us and for all those male role models in our lives that tried to reflect your love to us. Help us to rest in you every day so that we can show that love to others.
4: Good morning. I know when the children's moment was happening, some of you heard the word nap and thought, I think I'll just take one right quick on Sunday. (laughs) That's what the sermon's for, isn't it? But before you doze off, I need a little audience participation moment. Would you take your keys out if you have them in your purse or pocket? Anybody got keys? Make a nice rattling sound. We could save a lot of money on handbells, Genevieve. We just used a key choir, maybe. Hard to keep them in tune, though. Uh, are you like me? I, uh, some of you probably are. I really love keys. Some of you don't. Some of you can't wait for the day, and it's almost here when these will be a thing of the past like buggy whips. You know, you'd now can, you'd be able to get in a car and just press a button that says start. No key to have to lose or find. You, you can go into a hotel room or punch in things on your home. The days are coming when there won't be keys, I guess, but I have always loved keys. From the moment I was lying on my back in a bassinet, reaching up for some plastic keys in a mobile over my head. <laughs> now it's probably iPhones or something over your heads, I guess, but I just, I like, I like keys. and. I'm probably not alone in that regard because apparently Jesus liked keys too, and if you'll pardon the pun, we have a very key verse in the Gospels today in Matthew chapter 16 that talks about keys. So I'm drawn to it. It's Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, well. Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah. And some say it's that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, I know, I know. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the very gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth would we'll be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, on earth will be loosed in heaven. I give to you, he said, the keys to the kingdom. I like Simon Peter, of all the people that Jesus would give the keys to, Simon Peter, son of Jonah, which is a joke in itself, if you remember Jonah, probably the most flop of a prophet in the Old Testament, And when you know about Peter, the greatest flop of the apostle in the New Testament. Because Peter, and this is what I love about him, I'm more drawn to his weaknesses and his failures than to his strengths, even though like all of us, he has both. It's Simon Peter who says, oh Jesus, you're walking on water? I think I could do that too. Oh, no I can't, but at least he tried. It's Simon Peter who, when the transfiguration goes on and everybody should be quiet, he speaks up. Or in a outside, a courtroom when Jesus is being tried, when he should speak up, and he can't, he stays silent. It's Simon Peter who's always reaching his hand in the air like a child in a children's moment saying, I know, I know, pick me. He's reaching for Jesus' eyeballs saying, I know the answer to every question. He wants to be the valedictorian, and sometimes he is, and sometimes he's a dunce. I know the answer to this question. Who do people say that I am? I know, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And that was a pretty good answer, though it would take him all of his lifetime to grow into what that answer meant, right? You just had vacation Bible school here. I remember I grew up um, in the Methodist church, nice safe place to be really, and, uh, but occasionally we went to church out in the country. Now, I'm from Alabama, where even downtown Birmingham is country, but I mean, even by Alabama standards, it was country. As Dolly Parton would say, you could walk toward town to go hunting. So it was way out in the country. So, and my grandparents were in a little Baptist, primitive Baptist church, more primitive than Baptist, and they had vacation Bible school out there in the summer. It was for two weeks, because if you have it for less than two weeks, you're liberal. So it was a two week vacation Bible school. But you know, in July, In the summer in alabama the chance to be with maybe like a dozen other kids when you live in the country is a big deal because you're really tired of your siblings and cousins by then so here we would gather out in front of this little one room three rooms if you count the bathrooms out back but one room church where we would have hellfire revivals you know in august but in july we'd have vacation bible school and brother parker uh was the pastor mrs parker played the piano and So he would line us all up outside on the very first beginning of vacation Bible school. Don't know if we still do this, but you had a parade in those days. And Brother Parker would come out. I don't know why we called him Brother. Anyway, Brother Parker would come out. He'd open up the front doors of the church like opening up the pearly gates. And we'd all be sweltering out there wanting to come into glory. And he would say, who wants to carry the American flag today? Every hand goes up. Of course you want to carry the American flag because we're going to say the pledge in a moment. And so I wanted to carry the flag. But of course he gave it to my big brother because he was tall. And he carries it like a Marine going up Iwo Jima. You know, he's so proud. (laughs) Not a problem. He's got a Christian flag. Who wants to carry the Christian flag? Sure, I'd be glad to. Pick my big tall cousin for that one. Who wants to take up the offering today? There were two plates. Sure, be glad to. Didn't get to take up the offering. All these years in the ministry and they've never let me handle the money. Never (laughs) have. So I'm thinking, all right, there's not that many jobs and there's not that many kids. I'm gonna be the only kid in vacation Bible school without a job. You know, The one little tribal Indian with a bunch of chiefs. And I'm thinking, this is really terrible. And then at the very last, Brother Parker, had his Bible, and he said, who wants to carry the Holy Bible? Sure. I mean, it is vacation Bible school, after all. Now, listen, this wasn't a copy of the Holy Bible. This was the original Holy Bible. In the original King James, like Jesus spoke it. (laughs) Brother Parker was illiterate, So he didn't have to read the Bible. I guess he had it memorized. But it had a great big rubber band around it. So it was the sword of the Lord. And he would sling spit and King James at us. And that Bible, the original autographs of inspired Holy Scripture, he says, who wants to carry the Holy Bible? Oh, yeah. And Brother Parker picked five-year-old Alan.
5: (laughs) Ha! Yes.
4: And here's the great thing. In that vacation Bible school, the Holy Bible even went in front of the American flag in the parade. So I bypassed my big old tall big brother and I've got the Holy Bible in my hand and we began to process down the aisle like a bunch of brides. Miss Parker's playing the piano. I've got the Holy Bible in my hand and I put my nose up in the air, which is the great temptation of those who hold the Holy Bible. And I began to process down that aisle. And I forgot all about the furnace grate in the middle of the aisle. (laughs) And I tripped on that furnace grate and the Holy Bible went flying out into the air and when it landed, the rubber band broke. And pages of inspired scripture went all over the floor of Welcome Hill Baptist Church. And I don't know where the heat from that furnace came from. I had a hunch, but I was just ready to go because here I was at five years old and I had destroyed the Holy Bible. What do you do after that? (laughs) By the way, in case you're anxious about Scripture, the older kids were studying the books of the Bible. They put it all back in perfect order together, put two rubber bands around it, so whatever your copy of the Scripture is, you can be sure it's still safe. But (laughs) I never wanted to go to church again. Would you? Because when you mess up, how do you, how do you go forward when you've messed up? Well, Simon Peter is my disciple because he messes up so much, even when he looks like he's doing good. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Great, Peter, I'm gonna give to you the keys. Now, what do we do with the keys? Here's the point. What do we do with these keys? because one thing about keys is they can be used to entertain. Have you noticed that? We did it just a moment ago. Keys just have entertainment value. Every good babysitter knows this. You're sitting next to someone, they're getting a little antsy in church. By the way, for that matter, wives know this about their husbands. You can just go to jangle this and it'll keep them entertained until the postlude. So keys have kind of value in that way. There are those who think that if you pull out your keys and rattle them toward the end of the sermon, it will hint to the preacher that it's about time to be quiet because I've got a tea time on my mind. I need you to know that has no effect whatsoever. But the point of keys sometimes for us is let's just kind of entertain and jangle. It's a good babysitter's trick. But I wonder if that's what the purpose of keys really is, even though they are entertaining and they make a little music, is that the right highest, loftiest purpose of a key? And yet, the keys of the kingdom that Jesus entrusts to the church, there have been times when the church has been tempted for good purpose. We're trying to reach a world. Sometimes we think the way to reach the world is just kind of jangle out and be the greatest show on earth. Let's just entertain. If we could only have the best show in town. In the 1800s, it was P.T. Barnum. In the 1900s, it was our beloved Ringling. But the point is, the greatest show on earth, you can draw a crowd if you just have the best show. And it's always been tempting for the church to try to grow at any cost just as long as we can entertain them. You know, one year you have the biggest Christmas pageant ever, so what do you do next year? Well, now you have to have live camels. Then what? Well, then you have to ship in magi from Persia. Next year, you got to try to find virgins who will conceive. I mean, after a while, you don't know how much further can you go. Even eventually, the greatest show on earth closed down because it could no longer be the greatest show on earth. It began to be eclipsed by Disneyland and movie theaters. The trouble with trying to entertain is that it's slaking your thirst with salt water, and you always have to have more, and Jesus said, I want you to reach the world, but don't be temp- Don't fall to the temptation which he faced himself. You remember the devil took him out and he said, hey, jump off a pinnacle of the temple. Land like a butterfly. If you want to get a crowd up, Jesus, they'll gather for that. People love a somersault and, you know, aerobatics. And he wouldn't do it because it's not enough to gather the crowd if you're going to lose them tomorrow to the next flashiest thing. Keys do entertain, but I can't believe that's what the were really for. So you know keys also have another value, they represent power, right? Power. Our Catholic friends believe that the keys of the kingdom were handed to Simon Peter alone as the first Pope of many popes and so the Pope kind of representing the church holds the keys and it's on the scepter and all of that. Actually the the text here makes it sound like that Jesus says to Simon Peter and representative all of us, I give all of you the keys to the kingdom. Not just Peter. In fact, if if he would entrust them to Peter, he'd give them to anybody. I give you all the keys. I'm from Alabama, so this is all y'all, the keys to the kingdom. We all have these keys. So sometimes what we're tempted to do with them is just sort of clutch them. You can just choke the music right out of a set of keys, but they make a great fist, right? Keys represent power. I left one church, and they... The, the administrator stripped me of the, my office key and the church parsonage key and the security key and, you know, I leave town with one little key to my car. Couldn't wait to get to the next church and put on another, you know, car key and master key. They give the senior pastor a master key to the church. They should call it a servant key, but it's called a master key, which the pastor learns pretty quickly only fits his, his or her office. Because over the years, they've changed all the locks, and you go from thinking you've got all the power to realizing you don't, because the person who has all the power isn't one of these people in a little black dress. The one who has all the power is a sexton around here who has a great big old wad of keys that comes out on a chain. I mean, they can get into anywhere except maybe the Presbyterian women's closet, but they can get almost anywhere. That's where the power is. The one who holds the keys has the power. And it's been tempting for the church through the Christian centuries to take the the keys and to clutch them into a fist and say, we'll make them believe with us. And whether it was evangelism by the sword or by piling it up into the ballot box, as long as we have enough power, we'll make them believe. It's tempting to do that with the keys, to face a world that is wired for power with more power. All of us this week are stunned, saddened, and frightened to hear of what happens at Emanuel AME Church in South Carolina when during a prayer meeting, a young man would open fire and kill nine people while they prayed, while they welcomed him into their prayer meeting. How do we respond to that well i'm from texas so the way we're responding in texas there's a company now set up automatically right off the bat and they're selling security systems i don't mean electronic they're arming ushers and pastors so that the next time someone comes into your church you can fire back we love our guns in texas it's a big deal in texas so there's a whole little industry propping up to make sure that if it happens to you, you can just, you know, call the ushers in, they're packing heat. It's tempting to face power with more power and fall into a kind of cold war of who has the strongest arms. But is it the way forward? Because it is really frightening to imagine staying vulnerable, isn't it? What do we do with these keys? There's really only one thing keys are for, one thing really. Keys are designed to fit a lock and set it free, to fit the ignition of a car and set it going keys were designed to release what was captive and locked up. Jesus not only gave the keys, he gave an instruction sheet. So here's what you do with the keys, whatever you leave locked up is going to stay locked up. There's a lot at stake here. Some of you have a drawer at home, probably in the kitchen, and inside are about 47 different keys and you haven't got a clue what they go to anymore, right? (laughs) so much unlocking power we can't figure out how to get it to the right lock you know we have each been given keys that unlock hearts in the gospel but sometimes they're just sitting idle in our pockets at our hearts but he said whatever you'll set free will be set free forever that's what's at stake you remember on the, the Andy Griffith show Otis the town drunk would check himself into the jail on saturday nights remember and then he'd sober up overnight and then sunday morning i guess because he had to go to sunday school he would let himself out and you remember he'd reach through the bars remember where the keys were on a big ring just right outside the bars you know and he let himself out but in a way that's a parable of the way it is as we scatter from here wherever you go to school to work to golf or wherever that means that god has placed the keys of the kingdom right within reach. Of every least, last, and lost person in this world, it's so close, their lock and this key, they're so close. Whatever you'll set free will be set free for, well, forever. That's what you do with keys. When I left another church, they threw a great big party. They were really happier about it than I thought they should, but uh, (laughs) they invited the mayor of the city in Huntsville, Alabama to come and he presented to me this key to the city of Huntsville, Alabama. And of course, I've worn it ever since. That was in 1989. Now given how much I like keys, this was really a big deal to me, right? And so my eight-year-old son came up to me and said, Dad, cool, before we leave town, let's go empty out Walmart, there's stuff I want. (laughs) You got the key to the city. And I said, well son, it actually won't open up Walmart. No problem, let's go to Kmart well son it it won't open up Kmart and right there in front of Mayor Hedinger and our entire church he said well then what good is it give it back (laughs) so we left town quickly under cover of dark (laughs) but actually my son's on to something if it's not going to set anything free what what good is it to be given the keys and not be able to find its locks is a terrible waste What God is trying to do for Simon Peter and those of us who hold the keys is also what we're trying to do in God's name for the rest of the world. Just set them free. You'll remember if you're a dad, when your children, you remember when they were on training wheels on their bicycles? I'm a I'm an unashamed daddy's girl daddy. Our little Pamela, she's five. She's got a little pink 12 inch bicycle little pink training wheels, little pink tassels. Uh, she has a little red head, little pink helmet. And I decide it's time to take her training wheels off because if I don't, she'll take them to college. <laughs> She's the kind that hangs on to security, you know. So I take those off. I plop her on top of that 12 inch tall off the ground. You know, it's like the Ringling Brothers Circus suddenly for her but, and I hold on to the back of that seat And we're running up and down the driveway and she's saying, Daddy, don't you let go. Don't you let go, you better stay with me. Don't you let go. Honey, I'm not gonna let go, I lie. (laughs) Because I know she's ready, she just doesn't know it. And eventually one of those times we start down again and I stop, let her go, and she gets all the way to the end of the driveway, looks back, my little five-year-old and her heart breaks a sense of betrayal feel like Judas, you let go, but then all of a sudden, this confidence, hey, I can do this, and she takes a right down the cul-de-sac to go show off to Amy, who still has training wheels, (laughs) and in just that moment, as I saw her turn into the breeze, it's kind of like for a moment, she wasn't five anymore, she was 15 and a half, and she was saying, Daddy, don't get out of the car. I'm not ready for this. Honey, you're ready. Here, you're ready to drive. You can do this. And then she was 18, and we're dropping her off at college, and she's saying, Daddy, don't leave me. Honey, you're ready for this. You just don't know it. And then she was in a wedding veil in the back of a church, 46, maybe 47 years old. I'm not going to let some hairy-legged boy get to my girl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Daddy, don't leave me. Honey, you're, you're ready. You just don't know. And then she turned five years old again in front of me, I mean, all just that quick, and as I turned to go back into the garage, putting a pair of pink training wheels into a box from whence I knew they would never come down, I whispered under my breath, oh, Pamela, oh, don't leave me. <laughs> And she whispered back, you're ready, Dad. You just don't know it. The whole point of the keys is to find something or someone and set them free. It's the hardest and most beautiful thing you'll ever do, right, dads? So I told you I didn't want to go back to church. I did, as you probably figured out. Parents not at vacation Bible school, all 12 of us had to come with our parents, so now it's like Easter. There's 30 people there. And Brother Parker comes out and says, Who wants to carry the flags and who wants to take up the offering and who wants to carry the Bible with its refortified double rubber bands? And the only hand that's not in the air is little five year old Alan on the back who didn't even want to come anymore. And Brother Parker waved over the hands and he picked the five year old on the back and he said, Alan, would you carry the Bible tonight? And as we marched into glory, Brother Parker put the Holy Bible back in my hands. And to this very day, I never looked down without being amazed. Because in that moment, if you had the ears of angels, you would have heard a little five-year-old's lock fall to the ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now there's a foundation you can build on. I was amazed this week as they were arraigning the 21-year-old suspect in that terrible set of murders, that the family members of the slain, some of them were already saying to him, we forgive you. Now that's what I call using your key. So what do we do with the keys? As our friends at NASCAR would say, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines,
5: amen.